Run Your Story family, this is Allison Gilliard with Run Your Story, where every story needs to be heard. And wowzers, what a story we are going to hear from Mr. Tom Perry, aka Pacer Tom. We were introduced by my amazing friend and mentor, Mike, from Fresh Junkie Racing, and he said, I've got to get you guys together. You've got to share a story, and I'm so thankful for that. We actually interviewed at the Louisiana Marathon pre-race at Packet Pickup, where crossing that finish line at Louisiana meant running a marathon or ultra in all 50 states since being diagnosed with stage four cancer. And this race put him at a total of 201 for marathons or ultras since his initial diagnosis. And guys, altogether, he has ran 673 marathons or ultras. <laughs> wow. He has also been featured on the Today Show where he shares his run story. So what an honor for him to sit down. I mean, guys, guys, we talked all the things from how he's seen running evolve to include all the paces to learning from the running community. And it's just absolutely incredible. He's a soon-to-be author, which I'm so excited. We even chatted after the podcast about his upcoming book. And I cannot wait to share that with our community. It's going to be amazing. And again, Tom, thank you so much for sitting down with me and sharing your story. It just meant more than you could ever imagine. And so grateful to get to know you and watch you do all the incredible things that you're doing. Just the sky's the limit for you, my friend. And huge shout out to the Port City Pacers because they are powering up this podcast this month. Guys, our Port City Pacers were organized right here in Mobile, Alabama in 1979. They started off as a nonprofit chapter and still are of the Roadrunners Club of America. The whole idea is to educate Mobilians about the benefits of running and walking. Just move the body, guys, move the body. This club is committed to promoting and encouraging participation in road races. The Port City Pacers put on such great local races, and you can join today as a member, as you should. And it's a yearly membership. It renews every year. It starts from whenever you sign up, and it goes that entire year, and then you sign up again. So it doesn't matter when you sign up. Just go ahead and sign up. It's great benefits to being a member, and everyone should be a Port City Pacer member because I love the Port City Pacers. And the next race they're gearing up for is Battle of Mobile Bay 5K the Zelly Trail Run, O-Mobile 8K, and Do It in the Bush, with so many more that are also coming up. Very excited for Port City Pacers. You can register for all these races at any of the local running stores or online at portcitypacers.com. Don't forget to follow them on their social media pages and go check out the website, guys, because that's where you can get some up-to-date information, Port City Pacers. So thank you guys so much for supporting this podcast and supporting Tom's story. Absolutely incredible. So that being said, guys, go lace up those running shoes, get ready, get set, and go run with my friend, Pacer Tom. Thanks, Tom, for being here. So excited. Our friend Mike put us in touch and said, you got to share Tom's story. So what is your run story? Basically, I've been running since 1975, and I've been running pretty much nonstop. And I started running 5Ks, you know, miles, all that stuff. And then in 1993, I started my first marathon. I did one marathon in 93, then 94 it was two, then 95 it was three. And it slowly evolved where 
the marathons were getting greater than the 5Ks. The marathons wow. will never exceed my 5K toll because that's well over 1,300 or approaching sure. 1,300. So never hit that toll. Was there something that made you want to hit the pavement that was like, I want to start running? I suppose it was just basically my brother ran track in high school. Okay. So I did a mile run in grade school in eighth grade. And then I ran track for two years at high school. And then I, I kept running and then just did that. And then eventually evolved and never ran in college. I had no interest running my junior and senior year in high okay. school. I had no interest in that. I was a competitive runner. I didn't have any interest in that. Even though I was fast, I had no interest. And here we are. Yep. <laughs> Running. So how many total marathons will tomorrow make? 673. Wow. Okay. Not only that, but you are battling cancer. Yep. I got diagnosed with cancer recently. December 26th of 2018, my doctor told me your PSA time. He called me. He was going to call me the day before Christmas, called me the day after. My PSA level was 92. He said, well, let's check that out. You might have an infection because we don't have symptoms and stuff. Four weeks later, I got it retested. It was 93 then. And then I went in and actually had the biopsy done. It was the Gleason score, everything. Then they did the whole scans and stuff. And then it started my whole snowball. And I basically went from stage three, which was basically my diagnosis in, in late February of, of 2019 to stage four, July 30th of 2019. Wow. And you haven't stopped running? No, I haven't stopped. The only, the only time I've stopped running in the whole time of my career was a couple of times I stopped when I had ACL knee surgery okay. in, in 2005. And then the last streak was 10 days. I did not run. I had the catheter in me after mm. my prostate surgery. I still got two marathons in the month of July. I just didn't run from July 3rd to July 10th, basically. Wow. So, so it was seven days, but a few days of really not running as I call it running. Sure. So I know there have got to be some lessons that you have learned from running. The thing that's been the most amazing part about running, it isn't just the, the lessons I've learned about running. It's the running community mm. that I learned from. It's the actual running community. And it was funny because I was just reading an article in USA Today about loneliness and, and they had another one at depression and stuff. I think if just people would just take up running or the social aspect of running, the running communities can take away that sense of loneliness, the sense of isolation. Mm -hmm that people had, especially in the pandemic, mm. where people were really isolated, preserved, races weren't happening, all that. Then the races started coming back. And I think that took away some of the social isolation of people. Mm -hmm. And I really think that as, as a therapist, when I worked as a therapist, I really thought that running or staying active and healthy is as good as any depression medication out there, for it works in great combination with the depression medication mm. as well. Yeah. Just that getting out and doing something being active, getting those endorphins going, filling that runner's high, meeting with other positive people. That's just an incredible energy the running community has. Mm. And there's never been anybody in the running community that have had bad thoughts about or thought was a terrible person. There's just people that you like or dislike. Mm. But the running community in general is just a fabulous community. Oh, 100 percent. I love that. What has been your favorite race? Today, well, my standard answer is my next one, because Okay. In my stage four cancer, mm -hmm. I'm not guaranteed an x-ray. I could be sure. running, my leg breaks, but the cancer gets so severe. I wake up one day and I'm in pain. I'm in discomfort now, as I call it, no pain. So that's why I always say my next race. It's just evolved because back in the day, I loved some one mile races. Then there was 5K races. Then there was 8K. Then there was the 10K, the half marathon. Mm -hmm. I had never even ran a training run over nine miles in my career. 
until during the pandemic because I wasn't doing a lot of races. I was doing pacing for almost the 5Ks, the 10Ks, the quarter fives, mm-hmm. the half marathons. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was funny because Louisiana has the quarter thon. And so many people have never ran one. I said, yeah, I used to pace the quarter thons back in the late 90s and early 2000s. What's a quarter thon? <laughs> Nobody understands it. It's hilarious. It's, it's one fourth the distance. Earned. I've never heard of that race. Well, they are out there. Yeah, yes. Oh, that's, I love that so much. What is your favorite running item? I don't think there is really a favorite running. I, I, I never really ran with a earbuds. I didn't run with an mm-hmm. iPod. About the only favorite running thing that I used to joke about running with is a dog. And okay. That was just a short one mile run. Like I have my little buddy Otto that we would run one block sprints with. He's a fast runner, but he doesn't run long. I used to have a couple dogs that I could do 5Ks with and mm-hmm. stuff. So if I have to say my favorite thing, I'd be it. Oh, I love <laughs> Running shoes. Running shoes, the standard answer is whatever the race sometimes gives me, or it's a combination. Because some races, like marathons, they want you to run with the shoe sponsor okay. before they give you the shoes to wear for the race. So mm-hmm. I've, I've worn every type of pair of shoe that's out there. I grew okay. up running on Kmart and Target shoes, so I, I grew up on the really cheap shoes. I've never spent any money. In fact, I have 25 years. I've probably bought maybe a dozen pairs of shoes in 25 years. Wow. Because I, I used to get them for doing races and stuff. So, yeah, for me, it was only during the pandemic that I think I bought two pairs of shoes <laughs> in probably the last 12 years. That's amazing. So, yeah. yeah. My husband would love that. He yeah, would love to be if, like, someone give her shoes. Yeah, yeah. And I go through 12 pairs of shoes, so I always have 12 sure. pairs of shoes active. I have, okay. I have four for the marathon. I have four. Then I'm usually breaking it into our trail tour marathon and then four are my kind of what I call junk shoes. Okay. I always have two that are worn out, but if it's a rainy, muddy day, I wear and then that way mm-hmm. in the ruin, I just throw them in the trash. But the big thing I tell runners is try not to wear them out too much because mm-hmm. you're going to have stress fractures or injuries. Donate them to the local the writing store so they could send them to Kenya, wherever they're going to yeah, send them yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. So they're, that they're recycled and put into you. Yeah, Absolutely. Let's talk about a pre-race routine. Do you have one? When I get questions like this, I say there was before cancer. Okay. And now it's different with cancer. Okay. The big thing now with cancer is that I don't eat up to 13 hours before the race. So, okay. So like tomorrow's race is at 7. If tonight I eat, it's going to be between 5 and 5.30. And then I won't have anything really 12 hours before the race. I might budge a little because mm-hmm. I'm pacing a slower group tomorrow. But with Adeline, not a functional bowel or bladder that's functional, and sometimes I wear a diaper during the race or not, it's really tough on me to eat food. So I have to make sure it's all out of my system before sure. I race. Otherwise, I'm throwing up on the course. I have Man. other issues. Yeah, yeah. So so post-race, what does that look like for you? And post-race can be miserable. Because when I do a marathon, three hours into the marathon, at 301, I'm, I'm out mm-hmm. of There's no energy in me. It's all sure. mental from there on mm-hmm. because of the physical fatigue. And sure. obviously it gets increased if it's hot out, windy out, hilly course, all that. Then my exacerbation of symptoms is much greater. So it varies per race. Mm-hmm. Like some marathons, I'm having a great day. Others, I can be throwing up on the day. And I, I just never know what's sure. going on. Yeah. And I still go out and have a good time. Yeah, and so, absolutely. And most of the people out there have no clue. Because I don't talk really about my stuff. I'll been there in the race. Okay. I really prefer not to. Because mm-hmm. uh, somebody struggle at mile 25, I may hint at that. Or sometimes they'll read the articles in the papers about me or something. They know my story. Okay. They'll come up and talk to me about their sister had breast cancer, whatever mm-hmm. it else. They'll tell me their story. And that's where we kind of buff it. Oh, yeah. 
Have you ever listened to music while you ran at all in your running career? Not really. Not really. No, okay. it's just I'm more about hearing the nature and mm -hmm. sounds and stuff like okay. that. And obviously, as a pacer, you never have a headset sure. in because you're always interacting mm -hmm. with runners. And throughout my career, half the runs I did on my own and half the runs I paced. Mm -hmm. So back in the day when I raced the 5Ks and stuff like that, even though I wasn't competitive, I just, I never ran with music. That just wasn't my thing. What made you decide to become a pacer? I've been pacing for, what, 47 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just been second nature to me. And so I've done everything from the 5Ks on up. But I've helped my friends in the 100 milers to 24 milers and, and yeah, paced the bigger marathons or the small marathons. I still personally like just helping out as the local 5Ks or 10Ks back in the day when I'd take the runners out in the 5Ks and be the kind of like lead pacer. And then I'd finish, I'd go back out to mile one, bring those guys in a little further, and I'd go back and forth. So I'd run about almost a 15K just to make sure everybody could get sure. across the finish line. And races are different than just back then in a 5K. And for a lot of people, they don't remember the 70s and 80s. 5Ks, most of the runners were almost all done in 20 minutes. There was wow, very few really? runners okay. that were running past the seven minute. If you were over a 650 pace, a seven minute pace, you were very slow back in the day because wow. a lot of the runners were faster. Now in today's world, it's lets everybody finish, which is mm -hmm. good yeah. because you have the people that are walking the race. There, you know, back in the, there wasn't a run walk method. You walked in a 5K, you were like, okay, you're done for the day. Get the mm -hmm. medical team out. Now it's all about let's just finish, finish in 90 minutes, have fun and stuff like that. Where back in the day, it was more of a competitive nature wow. instead of the fun aspect like it is today. Yeah. Let's just have fun again. Okay. Here I see this marathon is a four hour halftime, which is incredible because mm -hmm. back in those days, it was you over two and a half or two. You might not even get finished in time where they're already taking up the finish line. Wow. It, in those days yeah. at, at 25 minutes, the, the 5K finish line was already starting to be gone. Really? Yeah. Wow. There was to say, hey, everybody's mm -hmm. done. Because mm -hmm. it was fast beat. Yeah. And now I think that's so cool to have seen that the sport that you're so passionate about, that you love so much to evolve the way that it has. Correct. And, and I'm one of the ones that's lucky because when I grew up, I was running and you would rarely see guys. I would say rarely would you see men over 50 in races. The age categories were usually 60 and above. Sometimes you get okay. 60. Rarely you would have what they call the grandmasters series of stuff. Okay. But then with the women, you would rarely see women running. And I still remember a race in 19, it was in 93 or 92 when a woman was wearing just a sports bra and running and the race director had a heart attack. And this is nine, this is 30, but this sure, is still sure. 30 years ago. Yeah. And he was having a heart attack because he thought it was probably inappropriate, whatever. And it's just the transition mm -hmm. of the full running world and how mm -hmm. it's taken off where you go to a half now. There's significantly more women than guys. And in a, marath a marathon, it can vary a little. Sure. But the proportion of women running is, is mm -hmm. tremendous, where you did see that in the past. So. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I had no idea. Do you do anything uh, as far as cross-training? I used to do biking. And okay. Unfortunately, I don't do enough. One time, I was doing rollerblading, so I was doing rollerblading. Well, what? <laughs> so we did rollerblading. Okay. I did a rollerblade okay. marathon, which is the North Shore in Duluth. Okay. So it's the okay. same course almost as Grandma's. That was in 2003, and one of my friends at one time was looking to do an inline skate marathon when it was taken off a little. Okay. But then there was only, I think, nine or 17 states that had him, so he was trying to do one in all 50 states. But then two-thirds of states didn't have him, so he gave up on it. And inline skating faded away okay. really quickly. The inline one in Duluth, I think, is still one of the largest in the 50 states, but I just did that once, and that was in 2000. 
So how was that? It was a unique okay, experience. Okay. Yeah, those guys go incredibly fast. We sure. just went out with the leisurely. The person that I was outpacing, she wanted, Erica wanted to finish under three hours. We got her like 257. So it's just a nice, easy, out in the day, just having a nice little rollerblade. It's very different at the eight stations because you stop and okay. or, or you can go flying by however mm -hmm. you want to do it. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about recovery tools. Okay. Do you use any? No, I no. don't. Okay. I don't do any type of recovery tool. The only time I'll tell the people that are in my running group after a marathon is the only thing I want you to do is when you finish the marathon, don't just sit down, mm -hmm. walk through the finish line, get your medal, your heat blanket, whatever. Get a little beverages in you, walk around for at least 15 to 20 minutes and don't sit down right mm -hmm. away. And then maybe after 20 minutes, sit down if you want to. Then what I always suggest is six hours after you're done with the race, after you cross the finish line, six to eight is go for a half mile to mile walk that evening. Mm -hmm. And then 12 hours later, go for another mile walk the next morning to try and give some energy to your legs. Because I always tell people it's usually the 48 hours after the marathon that's worse than that's usually right. the 24 hours. <laughs> Everybody right. thinks it's going to be bad the next day, but it, sometimes it's worse the 48 hours. Sure. <laughs> and, and sometimes it is. It's just, it's, yeah. everybody's different. Yeah. That's amazing. Let's say that somebody comes to you and they're like, Tom, like, I want to get started hitting the pavement. What is a piece of advice you'd give them? Whether it's they're starting out or they're coming back from an injury or surgery or anything like that. I, my, my advice is always is keep it almost like baby steps. Mm -hmm. If you ever remember the movie about what about Bob? I don't know if you've ever mm -hmm. saw that, but it talks about the baby steps. Okay. And I think that's the big thing where Richard Dreyfuss is telling Bill Murray baby steps. Just very simple. Start with a simple run, walk, walk five minutes, run five minutes, whatever it takes to just get you going. Mm -hmm. And don't just think, okay, I was running, but a 30 minute 5k, I just had surgery. I've been gone for a while. I can run a 30. No, it doesn't work. Down right, well. right. You lose your sense of fitness. Get back into it slowly. Never increase your mileage by more than 10% a week. Your speed by 10% a week. Just incremental changes to you. Mm, that's so good. Do you have any future goals? Oh, yeah. I, I, I guess yeah. for running, I still got, well, for running, I'm still trying to get to 700 marathons. Wow. Okay. So uh, I just hit 200 marathons with cancer on Sunday. I think it's my 178th marathon with stage four. So I want to get to 200 marathons with stage four. I haven't paced the marathon with stage four in all 50 states. I was the first person, no one to have done it in the U.S., wow. paced the marathon in all 50 states without cancer. And I want to do it with stage four. I still have some races across the pond or wherever you want to call it, okay. but I, I want to pace with stage four. So I'm trying to do that as well. I still want to hit all seven continents. I got three in. Sydney becomes a major. I want to do that. I'm only Boston and Tokyo away from doing the majors the second time. I want to finish that. I have 10 states left for my eighth time of the 50 states. I want to do that. Then I think I have 21 for my ninth time. I'm still trying to go for 14 times the 50 states. I was working on my sub four group for I can keep on going, yeah, but it's yeah. just the, the sub four, I was trying to work on the sub four 50 states. And that's when I felt my diagnosis or fatigue. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me into it. So I would still like to hit that. I have 99 sub four hour marathons of one away. And I would have had it because back when I paced the four hour group, back when they had the, the 59 second differential, if you mm -hmm. remember that with Boston. We would finish in four hours and 30 seconds for the four hour group. Okay. So I had a couple that I was over, multiple ones that I was over that would have gotten me my 100 sub four. So I can't join the 100 sub four group yet. I'm in the group, but not officially. Okay. But I don't think I'll ever get fast enough because my fatigue won't let me run that fast. Mm, wow. So 
when you're hitting the pavement and you want to quit, is there a mantra? Is there something that you tell yourself? I always think in my head, especially now that this could be my last race. So that's kind of the push. It's like, I'm not going to go out as a failure in this race, but mm -hmm. I know it's really tough on now because I know when I'm riding, my leg could break. I could get so fatigued. The sickness could get me. I don't know what's going to happen in a race. So I just keep in my mind that every mile I'm a finisher, I'm a finisher, I'm a finisher. And I tell first timers, I just think every mile I'm a finisher, just keep going that through your head. You get to the 27 time you say it, you're a finisher in a marathon. Mm -hmm. You go for each mile and just get that in your head. It's just the same with me. I just think it, think it, think it to get through. Yeah. And I always think, okay, this is my last race. I just want it to be a finisher and that's it. I'll worry about my favorite race, which is always my next race. <laughs> the next time I get out there to start. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. When you're not running, what are you passionate about? There's probably five things. One, I love playing with dogs. So Otto is my little personal buddy. <laughs> Maggie's a wonderful, pretty known, AKA known as pretty girl. So I have her this weekend. So the two dogs that I love that be with, I love to read. So anything reading related, okay. I love to go to microbreweries. So people know me as a beer lover and I love bourbon. So those are probably five of my passions besides travel, travel and sightseeing. Sure. Uh, I think this is going to be my 15th or 16th marathon in Louisiana. Wow. I think this is my 10th Louisiana marathon. And so I love that. Mm -hmm. And the running and pacing has just been my whole life. Mm -hmm. It's been a significant part of it. Yeah. Any final words of wisdom, my friend? For anybody who wants to start running, I think you just go, like I said, by baby steps. And I always tell everybody, if you're a beginner runner, just slowly start, maybe do a 5K and then a 10K mm -hmm. and slowly work your way up. Mm -hmm. But I always think that if you really want to be a runner, do a marathon because I think it'll change your life. Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand how much doing a marathon or even an Ironman changes your life. Once sure. you get that major accomplishment mm -hmm. done, it's a significant accomplishment. Wow. You put the time in, you put the work in, you put the energy in. It takes yeah. planning, it takes energy, it takes guts. It takes intelligence. It takes all that. And I think once you get that big goal done, mm -hmm. it's a huge accomplishment. And it's something nobody can ever take you away from you. Yeah. Once you finish an Ironman or a marathon, you can always say that for life. I'm a marathoner. I'm an Ironman. Mm -hmm. And that's an incredible accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Tom, thank you so much, my friend. It was so great meeting you. Yeah. so great hearing your story. And I'm rooting for you. I think you... Wow, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully in five years from now or when my book comes out, you've come to Absolutely. Invite me back and yes. say, yeah, we'll, we'll talk again. How many marathons yet? That's right. Yeah, what, what's your next goal? That's yeah, right. I'm, I'm, yeah. let's just keep talking about goals because yeah. that's all I am about mm -hmm. is his goals. So if they hear this, they'll say, okay, yeah, when I talked to Tom two years ago, he was only at 672 <laughs> and now he's at, now he's talking about 800 marathons. <laughs> you know, now what's his next goal? Okay. Mm -hmm. He's at 40 countries. Okay. <laughs> and that's just how yeah. I am. I don't let negatives bother me. Mm -hmm. I know everybody's going to have a roadblock. There's nobody perfect in life. We're all going to get detours. That's right. Life is a roller coaster. I saw that as a therapist with people. And I think that's the part about life that people got. There is so many highs and lows in life that if you're having a bad day, get through that 24 hours. It's like a cancer patient. Get through that 24 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, what day is 24 hours? Get to the next day. We don't know what the next day is going to bring. It sure. could be worse or better, but that's the fun about life. We don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. I mean, and I keep thinking I'm always going to win the Powerball, so I'm going to stay alive. But <laughs> unless I buy a ticket, I'm never going to win. So I have no idea how that's going to happen. <laughs> Tom, you're amazing, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Oh, it was
is so good. Thank you, Tom. And I love your response about your favorite race being your next race. That, it just puts so many things in perspective and just appreciated the honesty and also sharing all the things that you have to go through on race day, not just running shoes, but all the things that could happen. I just honestly astounded by what you're doing, my friend. And again, cannot wait for that book. Cannot wait to read all the incredible things that and your mindset. Just absolutely incredible. And whew, yeah, what a podcast, what an interview, what a story. Thank you, Tom, so much for your story and what you're doing for the running community and being such an encouraging pacer that you are and the human that you are. Thank you. Just incredible, my friend. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much to the Port City Pacers for powering up this podcast. Thank you to Fresh Junkies and Mike and all the staff at Fresh Junkie for giving us a little bit of a space to be able to record at Louisiana Marathon. It was just absolutely incredible. And congratulations, Tom, and all of those that finished Louisiana. We had some really cool PRs from Mobile and some really cool people going to Boston and so excited for our running community and the cool racers that represent us so well. Uh, just fantastic, I'm so proud. And again, just thank you to everyone. And thank you to our Patreon supporters for powering up this podcast monthly, making sure that we're taken care of financially with this podcast. It does cost to put on a podcast. So thank you to our Patreon supporters. You guys, you are 100% behind us and we appreciate that. We don't take that lightly. So thank you so much for that. And thank you so much to Mars Hill for always providing us a safe place to be able to record. It means so much. We know how hard it is for people to share their stories and to have a place like Mars Hill that believes in our running community is absolutely fantastic. Because we were at the Packet Pickup Expo at Louisiana Marathon, Gray had a huge task uh, <laughs> set up for him to be able to edit this podcast because there's so much background noise, but he got it done. That's because Greg Gilliard from Gilliard Tech Services is the MVP when it comes to all things website and editing this podcast. He makes this all sound absolutely fantastic. And thank you, Greg, for doing that. Guys, if you need him to update your website or start you up a new one, he can do that. He is your go-to and he absolutely loves it. He is highly sought after. So if you guys want him, get up with him and you can find him also on social media and on his website at Gilliard Tech Services. He is the go-to. Guys, this is gonna be a story that you want to like, share, and comment, so do that. And definitely for anyone that's struggling, whether mentally or physically or having anything going on, Tom is so inspirational and so definitely share not just Tom's stories, but go back and listen to so many other ones. They're absolutely incredible stories and every story needs to be heard because they really do make us better. They connect us and I'm truly grateful for that. So go like, share, and comment this podcast. So until next time, guys, go run your story because every story needs to be heard.